Hi, and welcome to That's Myrony podcast. My name's Alicia, along with my co-host Todd, and we're going to explore what exactly is Myrony. Well, Myrony, or my irony, are those crazy coincidences that happen in life that you just can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity. We've all experienced these throughout our lives, but what if you started paying closer attention to your Myronies? What if you started connecting the dots, or as we like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big it changes your life forever, not to mention the lives of others. Now, that's Myrony. Welcome back, everybody, to That's Myrony podcast here with myself, Todd, and Alicia. And today we've got uh, incredible guests. Uh, I've heard the story. No, I've heard about the story, but I have not been privy to the story. So I'm as excited to hear this, maybe even more excited than most people out there listening. Uh, we have John and Carolyn, the godparents of Alicia. And from what I'm told, this story is going to be very hard to compete with or beat. So it is, I'm, ex- I'm excited. <laughs> so on that note, Alicia, let's just kick off and introduce John and Carolyn to everybody. Yeah. So here with my godparents and we have a crazy irony just in that because I grew up in Sparta, New Jersey. So that's how John and Carolyn met. So first off, welcome John and Carolyn. So happy to have you here. Great to be here, Alicia. So you guys are Spartans then, right? No, we were. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) How long did you guys live in Sparta for? For 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, So it's funny because I knew him from Sparta, New Jersey, and then you guys moved to Connecticut. And that's when I was really young. I remember having... (laughs) <laughs> that was bad. Remember, I remember being washed in your sink because I literally yeah. grew up on the way <laughs> to their house, my poor mom. But uh, car, car sickness as a child. Car sickness as a child. Very common, very common. Yeah, thankfully I lived in the age where you could sit in the front seat and not in the back seat because I would have been sick all the time. <laughs> all the time. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I, I knew them from Connecticut. And so what's really funny is how we reconnected and we all live in San Jose now. And it's all because Carolyn had heard about my mom's passing and she called me at the Jaguar dealership. Wow. Wait a minute. Were you here at the time? Were you living in San Jose at the time, Carolyn? Yes. Yes. We we were, but how did we, the way we knew, how did we know you were at the Jaguar dealership? Right. Right. uh, When we learned of your mother's passing, it was like a year after she passed. We, uh, uh, I think I think I got the information off of uh, the Gray Eagles. The Gray Eagles is uh, oh. American Airlines oh, uh, retirement uh, organization. Yeah, all pilots retired, oh, and wow. they post every month. Uh, you know, people are ill or whatever, and that's how we got. But it was like a year after she she had died, and. Uh, so we called the only person that uh, might know, and that was Ralph. And uh, he had been in touch with George. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's for me. Right. And uh, said that you were living in San Jose working for a Jaguar dealer. And so <laughs> no, I called Joni. 
Oh yeah, yeah. right. She and, and she thought. said, "Well, the only information I have, I think that Alicia is in San Jose." And she said, "I don't know if it was one of her children or something." Said, "I think she's working at a Jaguar deal." So I looked it up, and I thought, "Well, oh, there's only this one." I'm gonna <laughs> there's just one. <laughs> San Jose British Motors. <laughs> yeah, it was when it was San Jose British Motors, yeah. which is yeah. so funny because uh, John and Carolyn, that's how I ultimately know Todd because it's my general, or I'm sorry, the sales manager, his name is Phil. We talked about this in our episode two and three, but he was the one that recommended I meet Todd's father. And that's when I started working with the churches and then met Todd. So it's all somehow connected to freaking Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the catalyst anyway. That was one of the catalysts. And it was just so funny because I totally remember that day. You're like, you know, you're like, this is Carolyn, your godmother. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Like what? <laughs> and I knew you guys lived in, what was it? St. Helena? Is that where you guys were? Yeah. Yes, and I thought yeah. you were still up there, you know, near Napa. But then they're like, no, we're in San Jose. Wow. And both their kids are in San Jose. That's funny. They go from Sparta to San Jose. Sparta, Connecticut. Both of you. Uh, yeah, Connecticut, yeah. Connecticut, San Jose. Yeah. Sparta, Connecticut, San, uh, St. Helena, San Jose. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we don't even want to count how many. Mine was Sparta, Delaware, Baltimore, D.C., well, you're, you're a little slower. It took you a while to get here. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point is you got here. I got here. But it was just, <laughs> it was so, so crazy. And so then the funny part was last year, my brother was coming out from Baltimore. And he's like, I want to, you know, can, he, he thought John and Carolyn were still in San Helena. I said, no, no, no. They're actually in San Jose along with the, you know, everyone's here. And so I remember um, I, I was like, we can set up a dinner. And it just so happened. So I, John, you remember this conversation? I, um, I called, you answer. I said, you know, Michael's going to be in town, want to get together for dinner. And um, I look at the date and it was on this. Michael specifically told me like a Thursday would work, Thursday or Friday. And like the following week. And that, Third, I think it was a Thursday. It was August 29th, which would have been the 15th year anniversary of my dad's passing, which is also tomorrow. Oh yeah, which I is, was thinking it was a today or tomorrow. It's tomorrow. <laughs> it's tomorrow. So it was so amazing wow. that we hadn't. Oh my goodness, when was the last time all of us were? That's right. Can't even remember when the last time, like my brother and I, and you know everybody. So I can't it either. Just. <laughs> <laughs> so it just happened to be, and I was like, John, we got to have it on that date. You know, like that's got to be the date. Right. And, um, it was so incredible because we, we go to dinner and Carolyn is a, oh my goodness. She is like a chef extraordinaire. Your mother. <laughs> well, the most gracious hostess, um, apparently my mom and her had a catering business for a while. Oh, wow. Um, but here's the funny thing. My mom was like, you go into a kitchen and it looked like something exploded. Carolyn <laughs> is like, everything is perfect. Oh, you're everything. a clean cook. You're oh. a clean cook. I'm the same way. I cook and I clean as I cook. So when I'm well, done, still clean. <laughs> well, that's where the, that's where this irony comes into play. And this is how this story ended up coming out of how I discovered how John and Carolyn met. And then what ended up transpiring from that. But what happened was uh, more people showed up for this, for this dinner than Carolyn was, was, was expecting. 
and a lot more. Again, sorry, but <laughs> it did. It, that's the that's the that's the irony. And her poor kitchen looked like an atomic bomb went off. <laughs> so I was, we were laughing because I was like, my mom would be so proud right now, <laughs> or not so proud, but like laughing hysterically because it was memories. Memories. Yeah. So I stayed behind because I was like, Carolyn, there's no way I'm going to let you clean this up. Let's just have, you know, some wine and let's just clean and let's just, you know, see. Mingle. Talk yeah. about the old times. Just right. because we didn't even really get to connect that much because there was too many people yeah. there. It was like, right. you know, entertaining. So this is how I found out that through... And people are going to see the um, the title, so it's not given away. But this is how I found out that because John and Carolyn met by a chance meeting, it ended up saving five people's lives in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh -oh. <laughs> well, well, all right. Well, wait a minute. Wait, yes. wait a minute. We're going from – this seems like a big stretch here. We're going from cleaning a kitchen together, <laughs> having a, a glass of wine or two or three. Champagne. Oh, yeah. And, and, and champagne. That, oh, champagne. Yeah. We were drinking champagne. That's right. To Even saving better. lives in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. I almost want to skip right ahead and just go, what are we talking about? The Bermuda Triangle. What are you talking about? This is the craziest story. So get ready. Strap. You know, ready. You're, it's like a roller coaster. Like buckle yourself in. Here we go. All right, hold on. So, buckle. <laughs> <laughs> so going to share now, Carolyn, okay. the amazing story because we talked about this in the last episode, um, last week's, which was the dedication to my parents as soulmates. John and Carolyn are such incredible soulmates. And you guys are kicking off our uh, Soulmate September series. So each week, this month of September is going to be these incredible soulmate stories of chance occurrences and, you know, where they've gone from there. And I swear, I don't know how anybody is ever going to beat this story. I think you've become the flagship story of soulmate uh, for That's My Irony. <laughs> She's told me this at least a half dozen times. And so I can't even I'm tell in, it the I'm, way John tells I'm it. I'm intrigued but, to say the least. Yeah. So, Carolyn, I'm going to pass All it right. to you. Yeah. I'll, I'll start off by saying um, I'm, I was from Maine and John was from California. And what are the chances of the two of us meeting? And um, what year was uh, this? 1964. Okay. And it was Memorial Weekend, and my mother had picked me up from college, at, which was outside of Boston, and I was a freshman, just completed my freshman year. And my mother at that point was a single mom, and she had this one car, and it was loaded with all my stuff from school. And the following day, I had a wedding to go to. And my mother said, you cannot go to the wedding unless this car is completely cleaned and all your clothes are put away and blah, blah, blah. I and I it. thought, okay. <laughs> so you I, mean like personal responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> so I was so tired. I mean, it was just a crazy time. So my friend who I was going to the wedding with was a little older than I, and the wedding was um, from a family friend of mine to a friend of John's at the, uh, they, it was a naval wedding under the swords, etc. And uh, anyway, she wanted to go because the reception was going to be at the officers club and she was stuck on all these officers and she wanted me to go with her. 
And she called me that morning, woke me up, and I said, Elaine, I'm so tired. I didn't clean my mother's car. I haven't done anything. My clothes are on the floor. I don't have anything to wear. And she said, don't worry, I'll be there. And so she drove over to my house from another city, little white gloves, because you can on Memorial Weekend wear white back then. You couldn't before then. So she had little white gloves, little white shoes, and cute little dress. And she proceeded to unload my mother's car while I searched for something to wear. <laughs> I, had, I had nothing to wear. And my mother's going, this isn't nice, Carol. And look at Elaine. She's dressed to the nines. And you're like, you know, not helping. And I said, well, that was the deal. She wants me to go. So long story short, the only thing that was hanging in my closet that wasn't wrinkled was a black sundress with white piping nobody wore black to a wedding that's another minor later on but anyway i said to elaine i'll wear white gloves and white shoes and a little white hat was in the church the chapel there and she said that's fine that's fine she was um like a fashion coordinator at one of the um boutiques in portland maine and i had modeled for that store and so that's how we were connected because she was, I don't know, several years older than I am. Well, okay. So we, my, before we go, my mother said some words of advice to you, Carolyn. And, I, and Elaine's looking at my mother like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she said, um, I know it's going to be, you know, a naval wedding. I know it's at the officers club, but I don't want you to go out with anyone in uniform. I don't want you dancing with them. I don't want you sitting with them. And I'm like, oh, okay. You have to know that I came from a very strict Catholic family. My uncle was a priest who also baptized. Uh, we're the godparents of Michael, and he baptized Michael, my uncle. But anyway, oh, wow. I digress here. Wow. So, Didn't know that. So, <laughs> godparents twice over. I can't remember. But anyway, so we go to the wedding and we're in the chapel and uh, all the guys that are coming through all in uniform and all you know and i'm like whatever i was so tired i could have cared less <laughs> so at the very end i think you were a few minutes late were you yeah you were late so in comes john in a sports jacket so he doesn't and oh and my mother said oh no one four years older than you, too. Oh <laughs> I have to That's tell funny. That so, four years. <laughs> he as well said jump, and I should have said how high and where do I land. But anyway, <laughs> in comes John, and he has a sport jacket on, and he walks past the aisle that Elaine and I are in, and he does a double take. Turns around and looks at me, and Elaine goes, Carolyn, did you see that guy in the sports jacket? He's looking at you. And I go, Yeah, okay. So, anyway, through the whole service, John turns around and smiles at me and keeps looking at me. And I'm just like thinking, Oh, yeah, he's, he doesn't, he's not in the Navy. Like, oh my God, that's good. Well, you can tell, you want to tell. Anyway, the reason I wasn't in my uniform was because. I had been the duty officer the night before, and some something had happened, and they had to call out the shore police. And I was <laughs> up all night. I think I got about an hour's sleep, and so 
I wasn't even going to go to the wedding. Unbelievable. Wait, wait, wait. Now, now, see, this is already our first major Myronistic, what I call my yes. made up word, event. Because, yes. because if the listeners aren't paying attention to this story, it's you weren't supposed to talk to an officer or at least hang out with an officer, <laughs> dance with an officer. She wanted, not, your mom wanted nothing to do with uh, military, I guess. Uh, um, so John, I mean, come on. You, <laughs> I mean, I mean, here he is, he's up all night, he's working, he's, he, does, he doesn't even want to go. And and he doesn't I put his uniform want, on. She didn't want to she go either. Want to go. They need. They did not want to go either yeah, of them. Yeah. The, the, yeah. No. I mean, I I get it because I've been. You know, we've all been to parties or events where you didn't want to go, and all of a sudden it's the best time in the world. Which obviously here in this case it is. But this is funny <laughs> because when you're not wearing the uniform that you would normally wear when everybody else is. Right, because it was you know a military wedding. Yeah, right, right. John, did you feel weird not wearing a uniform that day when you were put when you were getting dressed? No, I no. I wanted to get out of it as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Four hours. Oh, wow. So he felt like gonna... grungy, and he wanted. And I'm thinking out. this is like Julia Roberts and uh, oh, <laughs> what's right. his name, Officer and Gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Forget his name though. Oh, stop! It. I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, go so, on, go on. This is great. This is this so. Is long wonderful. story short. Um, at the reception, he approaches me and everything. And so um, he's all night long or afternoon long saying, you know, oh, you're so nice. You're so nice. And I liked that because everyone else that I met or knew, they would say, oh, you're so pretty. Oh, this. And I thought, like, you know, I'm more than just a face. I want to. <laughs> so anyway, that kind Although of. Although you were a model, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> You got somebody to introduce. Oh, yeah. He kept looking at me all night, and he was drinking, and he didn't come up to introduce ourselves. So I went up to... I didn't go up for a good reason. What was it? The line was too long. Oh, to me? <laughs> okay. So one of the guys that was sort of, like, not hitting on me, but I had known him. I don't know how. I knew him maybe through Elaine. I don't remember. So anyway, I said, oh, why don't you introduce me to that fellow? I said, you know, he's been at church, I said, I think he wanted to meet me. And so he, he brings me up and he introduces me and John turns around and he spills a drink all down the front of my dress. And oh I'm like, God. oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> so I like, I'm trying to, and he's trying to help me and I'm going, no, 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 it's okay. So Good thing you were John, wearing black. Yeah, John, yeah. Was that, John, was that part of your tactic of uh, getting women or is that what you normally did? Or is this an, a true accident? It was a, a real accident. <laughs> and we, that's we, why she was wearing black. We, we call that irony, of course. Oh, that's right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I was so naive. Everything he says to me, like partway through, everybody's going to go. Uh, there's an after party at, the, at a lake or someplace. And so he says to me, I would like to take you there. Would you like to come? And I said, well, you know, I came with Elaine. And by this time, nobody had um, talked to Elaine. So, you know, I didn't want to leave her. And I said, you know, I can't. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, you go with Elaine to the party and we'll, I'll follow you. He said, and then I said, well, he said, could I take you home after the party? And I said, no, I have to go home with Elaine. And he said to me, Elaine, I'll, how about 
you drive to Elaine's house, I'll follow you. I'll take you <laughs> from <laughs> Elaine's house. He didn't know Elaine. She, he just met her. He said, and then I'll take you home. And so I said to Elaine, is that okay with you? And she said, okay. So we're talking after this whole thing. He's driving me home. And I said to him, um, how old are you? And he said, well, what do you mean, how old you are? And I said, well, my mother said. <laughs> I got four years to play with. <laughs> I, you know, and I was 18, going to be 19. This was May 31st or May 30th, and I was going to be 19 in August. And I said, well, my mother said that I can't go out with anyone four years older. And he said, well, how about six years? Would that be okay? And I said, well, I'll have to ask my mother. <laughs> You know, what's funny is that's my, you know, my parents, they met, they got married when my mom had just turned 20 and my dad was 24. So apparently there was this four year thing that was like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, back then the mother, yeah. but yeah, six yeah, yeah. years. Oh, <laughs> I think there's a mother's school and your mother and my mother attended the same school. Oh, so I'm now. sure. Cause my grandmother sure. was pretty strict. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it worked. It worked. Hey. So anyway, the soulmates. <laughs> but let me tell you, that wasn't the truth. He was actually eight years old. Oh, really? He was double. Okay, when did you tell oh, Carolyn? When did you tell mom? Few months. <laughs> no. So anyway, when did you tell mom that, Carolyn? No, he didn't tell me until we announced the bands of marriage in our church that we got married. Oh and my I'm, gosh, that's great! Oh, I love what it. What else is he lied about? So. <laughs> <laughs> He said to me, uh, well, I, I tell him, he said when he saw me, what did you think? Right away. This was it. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, I knew, in fact, I have a card that I took because we were um, evacuating because of the fire line. And I took the card and he's written it to me maybe a few years ago while we were living here. And it said that first look. When I first saw you, I knew you were the girl I was going to marry, or I wanted Aww. to marry. Yeah. I love that. And that's so crazy, because that's what happened with my dad and my mom, and then you guys were best friends. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I love so it. it. I love it. Now, that's the end of my long story. John will tell his, which is should be longer, but he's kind of an abbreviated. Well, <laughs> the abridged version. And I'm going to, I'm going to go into how this story came about because this was crazy. Are we getting to the Bermuda Triangle? Yes, we're getting part? to the Bermuda yeah. Triangle yeah. part. So what was so incredible is after I hear this beautiful soulmate story. And remember in um, episode three, when you were talking about the butterflies, where yep. you wanted to see the butterfly sign. Well, since it was the anniversary of my dad's passing, that song in my daughter's eyes. I was waiting to hear that song and I would always play on Pandora and I find it funny because Pandora's box, but like, <laughs> it's like Russian roulette of music. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I can't believe I didn't hear that song. I didn't hear that song. And then I go into their guest room and it was late. It was like three in the morning. Yeah. I tried it one more time and the song came on and I started, <laughs> I start bawling out. <laughs> so the next morning, um, so I, I didn't have a car cause I drove over with everybody. So John had to drive me home. And I also, Carolyn and I were talking about Dr. Brian Weiss. I introduced Carolyn to these books and aren't they amazing, Carolyn? They they're are. Like, they're yeah, just so powerful. So. And we, we've they been talking about this are. a lot in the podcast, so it's nothing new, yeah. but 
I was, I said to John, I was like, I hope it's okay. All the spiritual things we were talking about. I know it sounds a little crazy. And then he's like, well, let me tell you a story. And this story was like, in a way that was like, what is he talking about? You know, he starts talking about these propellers. So I'm going to have you explain John and you can, you know, share whatever you want. And, but this is, this is like the definition of irony. So here we go. <laughs> Take it away, John. <laughs> it was Carl Bay about four weeks later after we met, we met for, I think it was sometime in July. Oh, so pre-marriage then. This is just after you met. It was oh, only yeah. four yeah. weeks yeah. after you guys met. I didn't realize okay. it was that Killing soon. So I was in a VP squadron, a patrol squadron. We okay. flew the P2B. P2B had a crew of 12. Eight enlisted and four officers. There were three pilots and one navigator. And uh, we um, we actually had done this one mission before. It was up and down the East Coast of the United States, and I don't know if they still exist. And if they do, this is probably top secret. But uh, <laughs> there are what are called SOSUS stations. SOSUS, it's an acronym, S-O-S-U-S, Sound Underwater Surveillance System. Hmm. And at the time of the Cold War, this is 1964, the height of the Cold War, the, these were installed to, to theoretically track Russian subs. And that what they did by picking up the sound, every propel, every ship, submarine or a cargo ship or whatever has a signature of, that the propeller leads, leads. Now, also, you have to understand this is, there are no computers. Right, right. So, what we would do, we would work the, the headquarters for the, where all the, the, the information came into from the eight SOSA stations where it was in Nantucket, Rhode Island. So what we would do is we would go out and they would assign us an area to patrol. And what they would do is they were looking for the signature. It could be a ship. It could be a, more likely it was a, sh a ship, not a submarine. And they could, if they could pick the signal up on more than one station, on two stations, three stations, they could triangulate and to tell you where the ship was, the position of the ship. So then they would radio us, and we would then uh, tell us what the, where the position was, and then we would theoretically fly to that position and verify that they they picked up that they got the right ship or whatever, or that there was a ship there. Or whatever. Are so, you are are you already flying at this point, or are you? Or are they telling you, and then you go up in the air to go find the ship? No, no, we're in the air. We're oh, out over okay. the Atlantic. Okay. Yeah, so he starts off telling me about these propellers. And yeah, I'm so like, where's this going? <laughs> now, it makes sense. It makes sense, because everything's based on echo, right? Yeah, long story short. No, it's good. So what, um, so what happens is the, the, there was one little, this was all in theory. Because, <laughs> because number one, you know, this is there's no GPS, there's no inertial navigation. We're flying an airplane that's one, that's a World War II was 
It's a 20-year-old airplane. The technology just isn't there. We knew we were over the Atlantic Ocean, but we couldn't be, we couldn't pinpoint anything. We would be lucky if we got within 20 miles of where we were. Oh wow! We so it was extremely the way. Only way it would work is with our with we had a we had radar, and we could find search and find ships on our radar. Well, lo and behold, what happens? We're out about. At six, about six hours, we're now about 270 miles southwest of Bermuda, right on the northern edge of the Bermuda Triangle, if you believe that. <laughs> it gets better. It starts to get scary now, I can tell. And our, uh, after about six hours, our radar quits. Well, without the radar, there's nothing we can do. So the guy that's the plane commander, Lieutenant Commander Pete, he, it was his first command. And he had just made Lieutenant Commander. And so you're not about to quit. You can't quit the mission. You got to keep going. And I start arguing with them that we're wasting taxpayers' money or whatever. And all of this is going on the intercom and all everybody's, Listening in on this in the on the airplane, and on this and this crew, the the eight enlisted, we had one of the all time a character that you somebody you you come across I guess in your lifetime and you never forget him. And his name was Butsy. Should we be saying last names? By oh, the way? it's okay. okay. <laughs> so he was from Lewiston, Maine. He probably had more time in the Navy than the whole crew combined. Oh, wow. Only a third class ordinanceman because he had a tenat he had this ability to get in trouble. <laughs> With a name like Butsy, I guess maybe. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, what, his, what an interesting what, name. <laughs> what his claim to fame was, he was, a, the, or, the, he was the ordinanceman. The ordinanceman's job of the P2V was to cook, was also a cook. And we would, because we would be out for 12 hours, uh -huh. they, he would, we bought him the best electric frying pan there was, and he would cook. But he didn't just cook anything. He, we had, in the, in January, we had trout. In, well, in February or March, we ate deer, we had venison, we wow. had moose. We had bear. We had, you can't believe it. Wow. And he, and he was, you guys are um, eating like kings. He, he or was, wild uh, people. Uh, he, if, if he were alive today, he would have his own TV show, believe me. <laughs> if, the, if the commanding officer and the executive officer was going to fly a, a, a patrol, they would take Butsy with them because of the food, they do with the food. Now, that becomes a part of it. So he's, everybody's listening on this, and I'm, Trying to argue with them to get, we should go back. To, you know, we're wasting time. And uh, one of the other officers, uh, Scott, comes on and says, "Yeah, John wants to get back, and he has a hot date with Carolyn," <laughs> which, which wasn't true because we weren't supposed to be back till like ten or eleven o'clock at night. And I, I had an eleven o'clock curfew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you did. Yes. And so, hey. but see, now. The whole crew has met Carolyn because at the wedding and then weeks, the barbecue. Uh, yeah. Three weeks before this, Pete and his wife put on a barbecue for the whole crew. 
And that's why everybody was uh, a bonding barbecue. Because we were all we were all together. This was our first. Uh, uh, this was actually the first mission that the crew together the, together this crew had flown. And so, how long are you, John? How long are you in the air when you're on a mission like this? Did you say twelve hours? Oh yeah, twelve, thirteen. Hours. In the air. What kind of plane is this? B two B. It's a propeller driven. Not this is. Uh, if you if you watch the the Weather Channel and they when they go on the hurricane hunters, yeah, they're using a P what the P three, which is the predecessor of which is the came after the P two. The P three is a four engine. Uh, turboprop. We were two. It was called two turning and two burning. We had two reciprocal engine and two jet engines. Ah, okay, and, okay. But all of our flying is done at three hundred feet above the water. Oh That's wow! Our, for twelve hours with no autopilot. <laughs> okay, and Buncey's your chef. Yeah, yeah right. but Buncey's the and chef. I love it. The second in command. So when well, he comes on, the let me. Yeah, I yeah. was the co-pilot. So, yeah. but he comes on after the. Uh, so he has to get his two cents in. Why we should go back? Because the smelts were running, and he could go <laughs> smelt fishing. And we had we go, went out. He was going to make his grandmother's recipe for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't hear this part. I didn't hear about the smelts. And, and my grandmother has the most wonderful recipe for smelts. But. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, that's funny. So finally, Pete, under the under pressure, decides, okay, because the issue when we would fly the whole mission, we would then go to Nantucket, and then we would debrief in Nantucket. We because we had uh, data that we would be collecting and then they would compare all the data and whatever. So we're bypassing going to Nantucket. We're going to go straight back to Brunswick, Maine. So we start back and actually I was in the back of the airplane when this happened. And the, the in the, I should have had a picture of the P2B, but in there was a, in the nose, there was an observer. It was a plexiglass, uh, so it was like uh, he he was the observer. And all of a sudden, he says, "What's that?" And we look out the window, right at that moment, and right directly in front of us is a life raft with five guys in it, and three of them are standing up, waving frantically. And we fly directly over them. And we look at each other and say, what's going on? What is this? John, now, you, you said how the water that day was like glass. Okay, you right now, we're in the Atlantic. The Atlantic is, I can't compare it to the Pacific because I haven't really flown over the Pacific that much. But in the Atlantic, there's ne there's it's never smooth. There's sure. always wind and weather chop. Well, on this particular day, there was no wind. It was like a giant lake. The only thing was there was like six to eight foot swell. Oh. So, and the visibility was unbelievable. So we we fly over them. We uh, we look at each other. We we probably flew past them like thirty seconds or forty seconds, and then we so then we realized you know what is this anyway? So we turn and we can't find them. 
this because of this you know the, the ocean you don't understand how it's like a needle in a haystack yeah is. yeah so we 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 flew around for about another it took us another 15 minutes to to find them and wow. once we found them the second again we started dropping flares and we had these flares that would last 20 or 30 minutes and so we we dropped a bunch of flares around them so that we wouldn't have that so now we found these guys were about 260 miles southwest of bermuda we're uh, we're about in the middle between you know the bermuda triangle is from bermuda to miami to port to san juan puerto rico to uh back to bermuda that's okay so it's pretty so big we're, we're 200 miles from anybody so we're not in radio contact or regular radio contact we do have a radio a radio it's called hf radio hf radio in fact i was told that it's still in operation today was invented in the 1920s i think and it's it's uh, it's it's it uses the stratosphere to to bounces the signal off the stratosphere and you can talk at unbelievable long distances but it's very sporadic and you may not be able to talk to anyone <laughs> so we so we start trying to raise to get the coast guard or somebody that can come on because these guys are we're, in the meantime we're flying around them and they're they're jumping with glee or whatever and so so after about 30 about 30 or i don't know but close to an hour we can't raise anybody we can't leave these guys because if we if we leave them i mean yeah we can we can if we ever get somebody on the radio we can tell what our position what we think our position is <laughs> right right you have no yeah radar and they're, they're going to find them yeah so we uh so finally uh we get we uh we um we climb up we and we climbed up to about a thousand feet and when we did we could see that there was a contrail from us from a ship because we were about 20 miles south of the shipping lanes okay and so we we then we fly up to we fly up to where we saw that where the it was a ship i can't remember the name of it or where it was from but there was a big tank uh a tanker uh, it was called a group four it's a ship that has in the, the bridge and everything in the back it's i remember that's called the group four <laughs> anyway so and we we are down at three hundred feet so we get the name of the ship we looked up the we have books with us so we can look up the registry of these ships because this is one of the things we did for shipping surveillance and so uh, we, we looked up and now the the ship is supposed to have a U, uh, UHF or VHF radio which is what you talk to the tower with and the frequency we tried to murder every frequency we could we couldn't get a hold of it so finally on HF radio, we get a hold of, of an air sea rescue unit. But the only problem is this air sea rescue unit is in Perth, Australia. Oh, come on. <laughs> and that's where my father was. My parents were what? divorced. Yeah. Another so one. We, oh, so, God. So we get to, we, get, we tell them what, we, what the problem is. They call Sid, 
they get a call, they call Sydney, where we have a U.S. Navy uh, group is in Sydney. Sydney calls Honolulu, and then Honolulu calls Baltimore, Maryland, gets the Coast Guard. Finally. And the wow. Coast Guard then uh, are going to send um, a C-130, an air-sea rescue airplane, a C-130. But by then, but it's going to be dark by then, and there's, you know, how are they going to? Right. And your well, flares are burned out by then too, but, right? So we gave them the name of the ship. They were able, uh, the, uh, the Coast Guard in Baltimore was able to raise the ship and we start, we kept, we flew over the ship and we started dropping flares to get them, to give them the idea, you've got to follow us. <laughs> the uh, the uh, Coast Guard got a hold of them and told them what was, what was up with, you know, follow the, the flares, it's about 15 or 20 miles, and there's these guys in a life ride. So the ship started following us, and so we then we had to get back to where the, the, the life raft was because we were gonna run out of time on the flares. <laughs> right. We make it back and we we, we use up almost all our flares. We, we set out more flares, and then uh, just as uh, the, uh, at about that time, we were running pretty low on fuel, and we wanted to get and we were to get back to Brunswick. We had to leave before the ship, but we could see the ship uh, from the from where the life raft was, and so we we then went back to Brunswick, which was about a two-hour flight, and um, we landed at Brunswick. And we were, it was just dusk. It was just starting to get dark. And the, uh, they directed us, instead of going to the hangar where we would normally go, they directed us to a place outside uh, at the other end of the field. And we taxied over, not knowing what was going on. And then there were television crews there. And there and were, so oh, I wow. <laughs> oh, you saw him on TV? <laughs> Yeah. Your new boyfriend. Oh my God. And we didn't know, yeah, what, you know, and what happened, the, um, it made the front page of the New York Daily News and the wow. Boston Herald. And he tried to get the, we can't find yeah, it, but I, we'll dig it up for you. I never you know. kept the, yeah. Now, it was, um, well, it was, you know, it was a, um, you know, the thing is, the uh, after about a month afterwards, the people that were involved in this, they were from Rhode Island, from Quonset Point. And what happened with these five young guys, the guy, his one guy's father had this 35-foot sailing boat, and they, were going, and they went out on a beautiful day sailing, and then at the last minute decided they would go to Bermuda. And oh. not telling anyone. Not tell a person. Isn't that smart? And, wow. <laughs> and the first night uh, in, the, in the Atlantic, anyway, there's a lot of debris floating around. And they hit something, probably a log, and punched a big hole in the sailboat. And they managed to get off the boat in the life raft with uh, some food and, uh, and water. And when we found them, they had been in the life raft for for seven days. Oh my gosh! They had run out of water that morning, 
and wow. they ran out of food the first day. Uh, maybe it was five days. Maybe they were in the they were in the wrap for five days. I think it days. was five days. But they asked wow. this, you know, they, they said when we came on station when we're doing the thing we we're doing, shipping surveillance or whatever, they said they saw us and they thought maybe we were looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know you had your own. No, <laughs> yeah. no, sometimes they would wow. be a uh, notice to be on the lookout for some because there were uh, uh, there were always uh, faring uh, light, like believe it or not, a Cessna one seventy two across the water to Bermuda or someplace. Oh. And it could make it up, and so somebody time the plane would go down or something would be missing. But on this particular time, because these guys never filed a flight plan, or, or, or no one knew where plan. they were. No one knew yeah. they were missing. That's crazy. They're so lucky. They're so lucky. Talk about irony. Yeah. Like, they are so, so the lucky. Point is, though, if we don't leave on station at that particular moment. Right. I mean, if we had waited 10 minutes or 20 minutes, we never would have found them. Right, right. You, we had to fly right over them. Especially at 300 feet off the deck. I mean, you're not going to, you, you got to be pretty close. Uh, right. if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're 100 yards on either side, right or left, you're missing them. That's right. You never, we never would have, we never would have found them. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, you have to say that you were arguing to go back because he didn't want to spend the night at, uh, in Rhode Island, he wanted to get back to Brunswick because the following day we did have a date, so we got his. <laughs> now we're getting to the, now we're getting to the real meat so, of it right that, here. That's my, that's my story. So, and my story is that Carolyn, if we don't meet on that particular day, these guys are they yeah. would not be. Able, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So, literally, because they met on that chance yeah. date at a wedding. Yeah. That neither right. of them right. wanted to really go to, and right. Carolyn wore black. Remember my she had mom? nothing to wear. And remember my mom wore black at my wedding. That right. was a little right. Yeah. So, so what? So, so you're what you're you're calling this irony or minor, whatever it is. Irony. But, you got to use the so, word, John. <laughs> it's also um, in the in the forties. There was a pilot for American Airlines. Uh, his name was Ernie. Uh, he, well, he was still flying for American right after the Second World War. He uh, started writing books, and he wrote one book that uh, became was pretty popular, uh, "Island in the Sky," which they made into a movie. Then he wrote another book. He, he wrote about eight or ten books, but he wrote another book called "The High and the Mighty." which was a big, huge, he had three books that he wrote that were made into movies. And the High and the Mighty was with John Wayne and... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, anyway, whatever, John Wayne and uh, it was a big hit. And, but then he wrote another book, which was a memoir of his experiences of flying. And it has the greatest title ever. And it fits right into this. Fate is the Hunter. Yeah, the final. and that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right because when you think about the faith, and, and and some people might have missed the fact that earlier you said you had no radar, and right. which means 
so much easier to, to get off course. Um, I mean, how easy would it have been? You tell me, how easy would it have been to be a thousand yards to the right or even 500 yards to the right or to the left? Oh, it, it was, you're, you're there's it's no like, way. You're, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a, that's like a centimeter change in the steering wheel. I don't know. You call it a steering wheel on an airplane. <laughs> what do you call it? The yoke. The yoke. It's like an egg yolk. <laughs> but I mean, but you barely move that. At, at what speed are you going? 160 miles an hour. 160, 160 miles an hour. Under Yeah, so you barely move that at, at 300 feet off the deck to the right or to the left, and you're way off course for that boat. That's I mean, right. it, it's, yeah, I mean, people don't get it. You just barely move it. It's not like a car. It's like a car if you had a, you know, if you're in a big field and you just turn the steering wheel a little bit, you'll eventually go in a circle. But on an airplane going under 200 miles an hour or close to it, no, yeah. you're off track immediately. To, to, just to give you an idea of archaic, I guess, compared to what they have now, when we would fly a mission like this, and we would, we, it would take us an hour to de before we could go get debriefed, because what we would do is then we would sit down and try to uh, work backwards of where we had been. Because we actually didn't really know till we till we got some definite position. Right, right. From wow. you know, it was like you, uh, there was it was uh, the Navy called it TACAT. It was it's a di distant measuring equipment you, where it would tell you how many miles you are from it, from Brunswick it, it, up up to like a hundred miles. You could, you could pick it up. So then you actually know physically that this is where you are. But other than that, we never knew. Right. So you would, it was, it was not a, it was pure fate, luck, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's what, it's it what, was the divine design to save those yeah, guys. Yeah. Holy jeez. Yeah. yeah. Like we'll, those. We'll, we'll call that a Myronistic event. No. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Because, because for that HV radio, you called it to, to bounce off of the earth's atmosphere and, and go to Australia. So now we're really far <laughs> down under. Somebody's got to be there to answer. Somebody's got to be in Honolulu to answer. Somebody's, somebody's got to be in Baltimore, Baltimore to answer. And, and then somebody's got to be, uh, somebody's got to have the right plane. And you happen to be in the right plane because you had the, uh, the cockpit visual. You've got, I, and I know the plane you're talking about where you've got that big windshield. Is it underneath where the guy's sitting actually below the pilots? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. 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 So I, I've seen yeah. those. And without that kind of airplane, it would make it that much harder to have seen that boat as well. So there's so many. And also the ocean was like a lake. Yeah, clear day, clear day. Like that's yeah, just was, amazing. Well, and then the, it wasn't their time. Right? No, that's exactly no. right. And it, exactly I mean, right. I mean, one of the fellows I thought you had told me at the time, or maybe it was on the news, was near death. One of the, oh. one of the five young men was near death because of no water, no food, et cetera, yeah, two, you know, two in the them, elements. Two of them couldn't stand up. But yeah. one oh was more yeah, affected than the yeah. other. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, but, um, wow, John, that's And I discovered this story all because Carolyn's kitchen looked like an atomic <laughs> bomb went <laughs> off and I stayed <laughs> clean up. <laughs> yeah, isn't that and now here we're sharing it again. And now we get to share it for the world to hear And the best now. part is because now this is electronic and we have modern day electronics, John, 
this will never be forgotten. Yeah, this story Ever. lives on forever. Because I think that there are a lot of, you know, this is like what, six degrees of separation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They probably always closer, say that. Cl probably closer. No, actually, Helen <laughs> and I, it's only two degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. No, <laughs> we can do another story another time. <laughs> this is a yeah. short one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a short one. <laughs> See what happens? They never want to talk about themselves until they get started. <laughs> he doesn't talk, and now he's going to surprise. Yeah, tell us about that, because between the fact that neither of you wanted to go to this wedding, Carolyn had nothing to wear. Carolyn's not allowed to date a military man. Or uh, anybody four years yeah, older. Or anybody who's yeah, four years or more. Years John's or more. not in his uniform. John's eight years older. And, <laughs> and he's got a barbecue to go to the very next day. And Butsy <laughs> wants to go smelt fishing. I mean, this whole thing <laughs> is, is, is so... Myronic. Yeah, yeah they, you can't write this in Hollywood. That's why, I know, this that, has to be a movie. That's why there's nothing like real life stories, because yeah. you just can't make this stuff up. I know, this would be a and great John, movie. Could you imagine this? John said to me, not even when it happened, but he said to me later, I think we were even married, I'm not sure, but he had, you know, he was deployed to Siganella, to, to Ireland, so ours was sort of a long distance romance, which my mother really approved of, you know, because it was letters and phone, and uh -huh. that was about it. So anyway, he said to me later, years later, he said to me, you know, you saved five people's lives. And I said, I did? I mean, because I didn't make the connection at that particular time. But he said he was arguing, saying, oh, the taxpayer's money. You have to know that John doesn't give a fig about the taxpayer's money. Because he wanted yeah. to get back to Brunswick. He's got this model at home that's waiting for him. <laughs> I know. Out. I just wanted to tell you that I, you know, Elaine wasn't like a bestie to me. She just kind of like wanted, we were both invited to the same wedding and we both didn't have dates to the right. weddings. Wow. That's how irony happens. That's well, how synchronistic that's, events happen. That's what this is all about is that, I mean, beyond chance meeting, but literally saving five people's lives in the Bermuda Triangle. I'd, I'd call it all a sim, wouldn't you? Yeah, our sim yeah. is now uh, synchronicity in motion. There we it's go. Because, this is a major sim. Oh my goodness, that's so, so, so incredible. And they're all tied together. I mean, it, it's all of this is tied together from the first day they met, John wearing a suit, not his uniform, to these guys in a boat. <laughs> yeah. To those people yeah. in Perth answering the radio in Perth. Yeah, I mean, but come on. John, what do you say about when you were in the Navy? This is so funny. That, like, what you did in the Navy. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that? Oh, about the supply? No, no, no. Like, he, what, what John said, he's like, well, I didn't do much in the Navy, but Carolyn saved five people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love that. Yeah. You got to love so that. It's so incredible. No, and it's like wonderful. this, and yeah, maybe well, another point we'll have to hear more stories because, I mean, but we don't, we, I mean, this story seriously has become the flagship of Myrony, I believe. And now I get it because, again, at, at the onset of this, I told you that Alicia's told me this like six times and I always tell her, don't tell me, don't tell me because, see, I don't like her to spoil the story because if I, <laughs> I hear it for a second or third or fourth time, I'm not going to react the same way. So I love hearing stuff for the first time. Yeah, so this and, really was the first time you Yeah, really yeah, got yeah. To hear I it. just knew it had to do with the Bermuda Triangle. And I'm one of those enthusiasts who who like watching those things on TV about the Bermuda Triangle as well. Right. You know, train, you know, planes that go down and and boats that go down and you're always wondering. So I was really curious 
on this. But I want to thank you guys. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure to meet thank both you. of you. Yeah, and Glad I just, I, I still have to give my surprise oh, of today more? because oh. there was a whole bunch of Myronies that showed up that was, and one of them was, I, my Spidey son said, go to Pandora, and in my daughter's eyes came on. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy you Dad's guys are listening. Yeah. I actually was, I, I put it on, maybe, I don't know if we'll get sued or not. Let's, let's see if we can. That's definitely a synchronistic event right there. You know the song? Martina? Martina McBride. Have you? Very cool. So yeah, so very, that very was cool. the irony is I got to hear it in your house that day before I even know. hearing this incredible story about how you saved five people's lives in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> and then to hear that song on the way here to do this podcast. And tomorrow is literally the anniversary. Yeah. I would normally so. say that's weird, but it's not. It's, it's my irony. That's my irony. That's my irony. <laughs> so. And I know that your parents, wherever they are, are so proud of you. And they. I just think that they were the soulmates and I just, I don't know when I felt closer, especially to your mom, because I, I have a half sister and I had a half brother, but I'm the oldest and your mother was like a sister to me. And so I'm really happy that we can connect and I can be um, other mother. Yes, I know. It's so wonderful because I mean, what, 20, I mean, I don't even know. It's been so long. Like we didn't even get to see each other that much. And now here we are all in San Jose. So. Love yeah, it. that's my irony. I love so, it. Like, I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> so, well, it's been a, a fantastic day, fantastic <laughs> podcast. Thank you, John and Carolyn, both. I love the story. It was definitely all it was made up to be. So glad <laughs> to have heard it and glad to share it with others, actually, because people are going to love this story. Absolutely. Yeah, I seriously, it, should, it needs to be turned into a movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 because yeah, you can't make it up. You can't make it up, so... Thanks, you guys. And for all of you in the Myrony <laughs> tribe, uh, for listening to the that Myrony, That's Myrony podcast, thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on That's Myrony podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to our podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle but could possibly have the biggest impact on your life because that's myrony. Alicia and I wouldn't have created this podcast if it weren't for us paying attention to our own personal myronies and started connecting those spiritual breadcrumbs. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch myronies appear in your life just like the guest in our next episode. And please connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and our website at that'smyrony.com where you can share your unbelievable myronies. We would love for you to share this episode with your friends and family and also comment, like, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember, if something happens that makes you say, hmm, that's ironic, 
It's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you all next time.